Macular degeneration is a leading cause of vision loss, with 15% of Americans being at risk or already affected. Scientific evidence proves that by using mesozeaxanthin, lutein, and zeaxanthin together replenishes the macular pigment and promotes healthier vision. This formula comes in only one product, MacuHealth. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with Dr. Michael Carter. Which APOE makes you more likely to get Alzheimer's? So APOE 3-4 um, or APOE 4-4. So it's the, the four that um, significantly increases your risk. Um, so 3-4 um, being, you know, having one of the alleles. Um, uh, but having both of them, APOE 44, um, significantly increases your risk. But again, even if you're 44, I have several patients that are APOE 44, and um, they are experiencing at a young age. Um, uh, one of my patients is 55 years old, and she's experienced some mild cognitive decline, and she's APOE 44. Um, but we identified several factors. You know, looking at her uh, exposure to the subacute pathogens like Lyme, so um, and and um, Epstein Barr virus, and so those were uh, high on the list. Also, um, exposure to mold, um, actually working in a moldy environment and living in a moldy house. So those were identified and she was placed on uh, appropriate supplements to help bind up the mold and obviously uh, addressing the mold um, in both of those environments with remediation is paramount because even if you're taking various supplements and binders and so forth to eliminate the mold, if you keep going back to that uh, moldy environment on an everyday basis, it's gonna overwhelm anything that you do. Um, so those were very, very high on the list um, for her, but she knows being APOE44, this is going to be a lifelong journey. So, um, but she's, I, I would say she's very fortunate that she caught this early and noticed that there was some decrease in, in mental acuity and, um, and decided to seek uh, a functional medicine practitioner to really find out what was going on. So to find out if you're APOE44 or 3-4, is that just a blood test? Um, yes, you can do a blood test or you can do a um, swab. So doing like a full genetics panel, which is basically a, a mouth swab, um, will also give you your um, APOE status. So it can be done both ways. So let's talk about prevention. How could the eye be used as a biomarker to see if somebody's at risk for Alzheimer's? So, and um, that was most elucidated by Dr. Thomas Lewis and Dr. Clement Shrimp, who, um, as earlier stated, they wrote the first book of in the, the End of Alzheimer's probably about five years ago or more. And um, Dr. Shrimp was an ophthalmologist at Harvard. So for 20 years, he, um, uh, of course, was taking, uh, taking care of people with glaucoma and uh, AMD, macular degeneration, and retinitis pigmentosa, and, and so forth. Um, but he found that um, he's the only ophthalmologist that I'd ever heard of who actually did um, blood testing um, on patients. And he found, again, with those subacute infections, they were uh, the major culprit uh, one of the major culprits in eye diseases. So he started treating uh, patients with uh, uh, traditional antibiotics um, and antiparasitics and antivirals. And lo and behold, he found that uh, a good number of them, their eyesight improved. Uh, but the interesting thing is because, um, especially in glaucoma and macular degeneration, that um, more so occurs in a, a more older population, say 60 plus and so forth. And a good number of those individuals that came to his practice also had some memory issues and movement disorders and, and what have you. 
And he found after long-term use of these antipathogenic agents um, that a good number of them, their memory got better and the movement disorders started to disappear. So the connection was made um, at that time that the eye could definitely be an initial biomarker for, um, for these brain diseases. And really, at the end of the day, the eye is a part of the central nervous system, which is the brain. So, and, and you know, doing uh, specialized tests, um, one is called the OCT, the Optical uh, Computed Tomography, which really can look at um, the uh, intricate layers of the, the nerve layers as well as the vasculature um, is incredibly important um, in ascertaining early disease. So um, again, everyone who develops glaucoma or uh, macular degeneration is not necessarily going to get um, Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or what have you, but there is a strong correlation that eye disease is, um, is concomitant with brain disease. So definitely, definitely um, people need to be aware of that. And again, looking what is the root cause of your eye disease. You know, for glaucoma in traditional medicine, there really isn't uh, known why this is occurring, why the destruction of the optic nerve is occurring, why the pressures are going up. Um, but again, you know, one of the interesting things um, that came out of the functional medicine world was the um, presence of H. pylori being a, po a possible causative factor. And H. pylori is a, um, a gut bacteria. So again, having uh, an overgrowth of that has been implicated in causing inflammation in the eye and so forth. And, and H. pylori is most traditionally known for it causing ulcers and um, stomach cancers. So again, we kind of go back to what's the health of the gut. And, um, and, and, and many of us, that uh, again is a, a great first step. You really want to find out what's going on. And, and also when you have a lot of H. pylori, that is going to decrease your production of the hydrochloric acid in your stomach. And we, and we need strong acid in our stomachs to digest the foods. So that kind of also dovetails into if you have low stomach acid, and, and of course a lot of us are taking um, pills to decrease the acid because of gastric reflux. But the problem with that is it doesn't allow us to digest our food appropriately. And we end up with kind of the bigger molecules of foods that can also influence leaky gut. So it, it gets kind of convoluted <laughs> when you look at all of these different things, but it, it does make sense in terms of, you know, how the body is designed to work. And then we are um, faced with so many, um, aberrant things in, in our diet and environment that's really kind of uh, messing up uh, how the body could efficiently, um, uh, you know, do its job. So when the patient goes in for an eye exam to the optometrist and they get an image, retinal imaging, yes. and we see peripheral drusen, or we see signs of macular degeneration, well, we do an OCT, optical coherence tomography, where we're splitting the retina into layers, and we're seeing, uh, we're seeing loss of some of the nerve fiber layer, and that patients may be at risk for uh, Alzheimer's. Yes. Is this a test that you recommend that patients do and ask their doctors for uh, imaging of the retina in addition to OC OCT technology? Absolutely. And even just on the regular exam, believe it or not, um, having cataracts is another indicator um, of potential brain disease. Because in the brain, you know, we look at amyloid. Again, amyloid not necessarily being the cause of Alzheimer's, but it certainly is found um, coincidentally. Um, 
but it's amyloid is a misfolded protein. Well, in the lens of the eye, um, when it starts clouding over, it's basically these proteins are folding on themselves and becoming um, not transparent anymore. So that is also an early marker. So absolutely, again, because of the huge incidence of Alzheimer's now across pretty much all ages, and of course, Alzheimer's really does not just pop out of nowhere. It's, it's a long process, years. So anything that we can do um, to start the process of saying, you know, hey, there, there is some inflammatory process, there's something going on in your eye. Um, these are things that are predictive markers that we can turn that you know, turn that around so it would dramatically decrease your incidence of getting any of these diseases. Same thing with, you know, diabetes. You don't just become diabetic. You know, over years, the insulin resistance because of, you know, the various, uh, especially the packaged foods of today, you know, aside from type 1 diabetes, you know, being born with it, it's, you know, uh, becoming prominent just because of, again, the food supply high carbohydrate levels, but also from autoimmune, you know, the body's attacking itself, going back to that molecular mimicry. Um, so uh, again, I, I like to, from a functional medicine perspective, we're all about um, prevention and early detection. And, and it does not have to be uh, super expensive to, to start this process. You know, even just starting with a good number of reasonable blood biomarkers, um, which insurance may or may not pay for, it really kind of depends. But even if it does have to be, you know, a cash only, um, that can be done for two, three hundred dollars. So not a lot to invest in, in your health. And um, of course, that's one of the things at Health Revival Partners we have you know, a very nice, uh, reasonably cost intake of, of biomarkers um, that will really help elucidate um, what, um, what your risk is, what your inflammatory risk is. Um, and once you've found those things out, then you could go down the pathway of learning how to, to get healthy again. In the categories of Alzheimer's, you mentioned the vascular category, I believe that was category five. And we could see on OCT, OCT technology in the choroid, the choroid is a layer of the eye that is filled with all these blood vessels, probably has more blood vessels than any other part of the body. And we start to see that layer shrink. Absolutely. At risk for Alzheimer's. Yeah. So talk about uh, the biomarkers that you were talking about. Uh, and what are some of those that, some pe that people could have to see if they're at risk for chronic disease, especially Alzheimer's? So um, homocysteine uh, being a, you know, a very, very significant marker. And an ideal level of that is somewhere in the seven to eight range, even though the traditional value could be up to 15 or 20 in some laboratory uh, settings. So- And I've seen retinal hemorrhages for people with high homocysteine. You know, they'll have a retinal hemorrhage and traditional doctors won't know the reason, and it was just high homocysteine or high LP little a. Absolutely. And, and the reason is homocysteine becomes directly toxic to the blood vessels. So that's really, really critically important. And the vast majority of people, it's not too difficult to get that normalized with um, your whole host of B vitamins you know, in the methylated form. So we, you know, like methyl B12, we don't want to use cyanocobalamin. We want to use a methylcobalamin, which is what the body most recognizes, um, and, and methylfolate instead of folic acid. Even though some people can tolerate folic acid um, in those individuals who have genetic predispositions, um, they can't successfully use folic acid, which is a synthetic form of a B vitamin. So, 
And again, getting, getting those vitamins from your food is really, really important. But of course, our food supply, even, even all of the organic fruits and vegetables, unfortunately, because of the depletion of the minerals in the soil over the, the number of years, even eating organic um, is woefully inadequate in providing you with the adequate mineral supplementation. So those are, those are things that we really have to um, look at and be concerned with. Uh, C-reactive protein, um, which is a marker for inflammation in the body, and more specifically for infection. And again, these subacute infections, which don't elicit uh, normally a white, high white blood cell count or fever or chills or what have you. So, you know, traditional doctors will totally overlook that. Um, so, but going to a functional medicine doctor and looking at, you, you know, the, the incidence of Lyme disease or, you know, some of these other um, pathogens is incredibly important. Um, sed rate, um, sedimentation rate, that's a very important marker for inflammation as well. And if that's increased, um, that's a, a critical sign. Um, the, what's called the RDW, um, the red cell distribution width, which also kind of comes into play with the, the OCT and looking at the vessels, you know, when those small, small capillaries um, are, you know, occluded um, with inflammation or calcium buildup or what have you, because our red blood cells are bigger than those small capillaries, they kind of have to flatten out to go through those small vessels. And in situations where there, you know, is, um, uh, you know, a decrease in diameter, then that RDW number actually goes up, meaning that those blood cells have to flatten out more, which is indicative of more inflammation. So, so those are, you know, some of the markers there, there are others. Um, that we look at, but um, those are two very inexpensive ones that one can start with and find out their body's um, load of inflammation. What are the name of the tests for the gut that you like, that you spoke about before, and the gluten tests? What are the brands, the names that people should be looking for? So as far as the gut testing, um, uh, a company called Diagnostic Solutions that um, they do the, the GI map. They're probably one of the, um, the top contenders, although that, that arena is constantly changing and actually getting better, but um, they have a very, very comprehensive uh, test to um, elucidate you know, the balance of good to bad bacteria, the presence of parasites, uh, parents of, uh, presence of yeast, and and viruses and, and so forth. So that's a very, very good test. Um, I like Vibrant America for um, ascertaining uh, gluten status because it is the preeminent company at this point that identifies the, the vast array of um, gluten or gliadin uh, type sensitive uh, individuals. And again, because of the food supply here, most people unfortunately, are sensitive to gluten, but, uh, you know, if your gut can heal fast enough, then yes, you can perhaps eat gluten, um, but you still kind of have to put it in context of look at your inflammatory levels, look at some of the other things that you may or may not be uh, expressing and so forth. So um, I'm just very cautious when it comes to gluten. If you were to eat gluten in another country, and so forth, where it hasn't been changed, um, then one would be okay. Um, maybe if you eat some of the ancient grains, uh, aramith and, and so forth, um, Ezekiel bread, you may be okay. But if you have leaky gut, then that's still going to be problematic until your gut heals. But yeah, Vibrant America has a, a very comprehensive test when it comes to that. And it will also tell you your risk for Celiac disease it will also tell you your risk for uh, leaky gut and leaky brain. Because unfortunately, when you have uh, leaky gut, that whole you know, system is intertwined with the brain. 
So which can, of course, lead to, you know, the, the brain disorders. So, um, so I think those are, you know, really, really good tests um, to um, help elucidate what's going on in your body. You talked about the importance of detoxification. What's your favorite way of, of detoxing? So, I mean, there are numerous ways. I mean, of course, you know, our liver is our main detoxification organ. So we want to utilize uh, supplements that will enhance that. Um, you know, glutathione being our body's master antioxidant, you know, that's important um, to, you know, optimize in the body. And, and also Vibrant America does a, a really nice uh, micronutrient test which can elucidate glutathione levels, but also the whole array of uh, vitamins and minerals that our body needs to function optimally. So, um, so we really want to use supplements like milk thistle and so forth to enhance the body's um, detoxification capability. But it also depends on what toxins that you're exposed to. You know, so uh, again, you know, like with plastics and so forth, Try not to drink from uh, plastic bottles that are full of BPA, you know. Um, so drink from glass and, 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 and what have you. Um, uh, you know, limit your exposure to artificial scents in the home and, and try to use, you know, detergents that are more natural and so forth. Because all of those put undue pressure on the detoxification mechanisms of the body. And again, everybody's um, quite a bit different. You know, even from an exposure of a toxin, mercury. Again, if you're eating fish, and especially the, the large fish all the time, um, the vast majority of those fish are mercury toxic. So that, um, again, we, we have to kind of look at where the toxins are coming from, you know, how the body can detoxify and so forth and, and optimize that as much as possible. But the first thing is really finding out what is making you toxic. And because um, the body is designed to adequately detoxify itself. But because we're exposed to so many different things, we oftentimes we have to give it help. So we have to, you know, put patients on uh, glutathione or, um, uh, you know, various supplements that will help the body um, detoxify itself. Vision Edge gives you less eye strain and reduced damage caused by blue light. We like to call Vision Edge sunscreen for the eye. It all starts with your highest level of visual performance, only achievable through scientifically proven Vision Edge. How hard is it to find what the toxin is that's affecting somebody? So again, when you're doing functional medicine testing, it's not as difficult to ascertain. And really at the end of the day, you uh, have to have a very in-depth history with the patient. So, you know, what, what is the environment that they are living in? Are those toxins, you know, coming from mold? And mold in and of itself, you know, produces what are called mycotoxins. So those are the microscopic toxins that are liberated from mold that is actually causing the disease syndrome. So, and again, it's very, very common in, in many people's homes and very, very common in, um, in the work environment. So um, what you want to do really is just take an, uh, an in-depth history from the patient to help, you need to have them help you um, guide them around the, what is really you know, potentially causing their, their syndromes. So it's just much more of an in-depth conversation. And then unfortunately the the more in-depth tests to elucidate if you're heavy metal toxic or you're mold toxic or what have you are not covered by insurance so kind of at the end of the day um you have to you know let the patient know that this is an investment in their health so yes it could run into several several thousand dollars depending on how far one needs to go down the rabbit trail, really. Um, but um, it, it's, it's very important to, to do that if you want to get better, because in most cases, um, just being on traditional medications 
is not going to get you there. And while, you know, I believe in traditional medications, um, the body's not designed to be on those forever. The body's not suffering from a lack of Prozac or Keflex or whatever, whatever medication it is. Um, but the body is suffering from a, a decrease in the necessary nutrients um, and minerals um, and being free from toxins. That's what the body is ultimately suffering from. So again, even from a supplement perspective, you can't just pile on supplements all day long and think that that's going to be the end all be all. Again, you have to look at your environment and really get at um, some of the more deeper root causes of why this particular disease syndrome is expressing in you. Talking about traditional medicine, when it comes to glaucoma, we have to use traditional medicine to lower the pressure. But in addition to the traditional medicine, what are some of the things that you have found that helps glaucoma patients? Is it vitamin C, meditation, teas? What have you found? All of those things. I mean, detoxing, you know, in a far infrared sauna, um, I found is uh, very instrumental in, again, helping the, the toxin load from the body. Um, meditation, uh, because stress is a key component of increasing intraocular pressure. So that is a, a critically important arena. Um, and there are a whole host of supplements um, that have variable effects in, you know, in, in people. Again, everyone is, is a bit different. Vitamin C, you know, turmeric, um, lutein, astaxanthin, they're a whole host. Um, I mean, personally, um, I'm taking uh, cod liver oil, which I think uh, everyone actually should take. Um, the benefits of cod liver oil, you have um, the omega-3 you know, component there, which is obviously very anti-inflammatory, and you do get a decent dose of natural vitamin D, which all of us are woefully, uh, you know, have inadequate levels, which has a lot to do with, you know, just overall immune system health and, and everything. I mean, vitamin D is actually a pro-hormone. It's not actually a vitamin. So it's critically important. Um, but you also have um, vitamin A in the cod liver oil, which is critically important, you know, for antipathogen effect, especially um, it being antiviral. So I really like that. Um, of course, over the years, I've been on multiple supplements. I found that acupuncture was actually quite beneficial for me for, for a while. After, uh, for about three years, I was going to a practitioner who specialized in um, acupuncture for eyes. And I did note um, uh, a significant benefit. Downside is you, you have to do it pretty continuously, uh, at least three or four times a year maybe a week at a time. Um, so um, it becomes uh, kind of wearing on the body, you know, having, you know, a whole host of needles uh, stuck in your feet and hands. But uh, again, um, it just tells, you know, tell me, you know, because acupuncture works on opening up meridians in the body so the body can start communicating more adequately. Um, so I did get a benefit from that. And occasionally, you know, I do have acupuncture sessions, but, you know, um, you know, here of late, it's really um, looking at uh, keeping my inflammation down. I'm personally gluten-free and dairy-free and eat as organic as, as possible. Um, but my, you know, factors are quite low. But, you know, I did find that I had the subacute infections like Lyme and Epstein-Barr virus and all of those. So, uh, being on a, a journey to keep that or those at bay um, using various um, antipathogenic agents. But at the end of the day, it's really still about building up your body's own immune system. So I've paid particular att attention in terms of my gut health and making sure my microbiome is balanced. So that has been really critical in my overall health and how I perform. So. Uh, you know, a number of years ago when 
you know, I got to the point where my adrenal glands were exhausted. I really couldn't work. Um, and it took a while to um, uh, get back to a level where I could work on a more consistent uh, basis. But again, I was pretty crazy, you know, flying back and forth from Georgia to Florida every week and doing that for five years. Uh, that, that was not a smart thing. But uh, it was what I did. And, um, but it propelled me into this arena. But I, I would say that I love this arena of medicine. Even I've gone from anesthesia to cosmetic surgeon to stem cell uh, practitioner. Um, I find this uh, most fascinating. And I get the most joy out of helping a patient through that pathway and, uh, and identifying those things for them um, that were not elucidated before and, and showing them, them how they can significantly decrease the number of medications that they're on and feel better. So um, it's, it's just been, uh, it's been quite a journey uh, for me. And of course, I'm still on it. But um, I believe God kind of took me down this pathway to um, not only, you know, look at things that could uh, help myself, but they could actually help other people. And, and not just in the uh, glaucoma realm. Um, and, and, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you know, I'm a member, of, well, I'm the, on the medical advisory board for um, a company called FitEyes, and it's a, a glaucoma support forum. And it has thousands of members, and they regularly post different things that they have, you know, experienced and gone through and, and so forth. And some of the cutting edge stuff that is on the horizon um, for addressing this. And that's actually very exciting because even in the traditional world, because I still see a traditional ophthalmologist for my glaucoma and, and keeping up with it and so forth, but um, their audacious goal, as they call it, is in the next 10 years or so, they are you know, feeling that they will be able to significantly have a cure for blindness for various causes. So that's exciting. So there again, um, people who are suffering from glaucoma and have decreased visual acuity, yes, it's difficult. I'm, I'm going through it myself and, and um, it, it can be stressful, but there is light at the end of the tunnel and, and there are a whole host of things that are really showing great promise. What do you say to people who see ads on TV or on the internet to get their eyes examined on the computer and not go in and get a traditional eye exam where they have where they would get a glaucoma test. No, they definitely need to come in for you know a face-to-face -face, you know full examination. That's that's really critical. Um, you know, doing things you know remotely like that. If it if it shows something positive, great, and then you know you have to go to the next step. But let's say it didn't show anything, and then you assumed that everything was okay. So, and I think that's the risk of just doing things online. Um, um, you know, so I would, I would definitely say at least on a yearly basis, um, one needs to, you know, be uh, checked by optometrists, ophthalmologists and, and so forth to uh, ascertain their overall eye health. And, and, and especially for glaucoma, glaucoma, is an insidious disease because in most instances you don't know it's happening because you don't have any indication of the increase in pressure you don't generally have headaches or anything like that however that actually presented in me um, so i guess it was actually fortunate um 30 some years ago that i did have a headache because obviously i had glaucoma for years prior to that but my diagnosis was probably 31 years ago. But that's not common, but I, my pressures at that time were 50, which is really, really high. And it did actually present as a, as a headache more located in the eye. So, so it was actually fortunate for me that um, I actually had a, a symptom, but the vast majority of people have no symptoms. And the decrease in vision is so gradual in, in most patients having, let's say, open angle glaucoma uh, 
closed angle glaucoma is, is more of an acute situation. So that's a bit different, but the vast majority of people suffer from what is called open angle glaucoma. And um, it is just such an insidious thing that you just don't know how much vision is that you're losing. Um, so it's critical to get your pressures checked on, on at least a yearly basis um, and, and to, to find out, to, to make sure uh, everything is you know, the way it's supposed to be. You talk about your pressure being 50. Normal pressure is under 20. Yes. So average pressure is 15. And you could even have glaucoma with normal pressure. Yes. About a third of the glaucoma patients actually have normal pressure the first time they get their eyes examined. And that's true. And that's a very frustrating scenario, especially for the patient, but for you as a practitioner as well, because it's even harder than to treat because the, the medications that, you know, the traditional exposure, uh, disposal are pretty much lowering pressure. But if you have glaucoma and you have changes that are, you know, destroying the optic nerve, but your pressure is already 11, there's not a lot of room to go. And, but that again, kind of elucidates that glaucoma is not all a pressure disease. There is something underlying that's causing this inflammation and driving the destruction. So glaucoma, you know, is a very, very difficult disease to wrap someone's, you know, hands around and to control it. So, because it's all, again, it's, you know, it's very deep seated and just like those various uh, types um, that were elucidated by uh, Dr. Bredesen, um, I myself uh, am suffering from uh, a multitude of those um, factors. Um, and I, at age six, I actually was um, hit by a uh, truck. I was uh, on my bicycle and got knocked out. So I have a history of concussion and it actually shows up on my brain scan um, when I have that um, uh, brain mapping uh, done and so forth, even though it has never affected my cognition or anything like that. It is uh, interesting to note um, that that, of course, could be one of the factors that um, is serving as one of these underlying um, inflammatory factors. So, you know, having traumatic brain injury, um, very, very important to, uh, to look at. And again, you know, there are numerous supplements on the market, um, but, you know, uh, that, that can help address that. Um, and what, what we want to do is kind of increase the neurogenesis or new nerve growth um, in our brains to, uh, to help with any uh, neurodegenerative process. And, you know, there are various supplements and so forth that can increase what is called brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is one of the key components to uh, increase, you know, new nerve uh, growth and so forth. But even exercise increases your own brain-derived neurotrophic factor. So again, at the end of the day, uh, we want to uh, be as active as possible. Exercise it will never go away. Everyone has to do that. You don't have to do it, you know, all out. I'm a, I'm a big P90X fan. So I do that two to three times a week. That, that is a very grueling program, but that keeps me in shape. Um, and, um, and I love it, but you know, just you know, doing brisk walking two or three times a, a week is important for everyone's uh, overall health. Um, so, uh. Dr. Carter, if we identify as optometrists that somebody's at risk for Alzheimer's with our OCT or our retinal mm -hmm. imaging, Dale Bredesen, uh, Dr. Lewis has written books on techniques of what people could do to way, way decrease their risk. Absolutely. People don't realize that they, they can decrease their risk. If you could just kind of package some, obviously you, there's 36 things that, that Dr. <laughs> Bredesen talks about. We can't go into all 36 things, but you could package some of them so people that are listening to this could have some hope. Well, again, I mean, it really, uh, everyone is so individualistic. So um, I give an example of a, a patient that I have. Um, she um, 
had a job at uh, the Postal Service. And um, she started developing memory loss. And uh, after a brief interview with her, I found out um, that she had a history of high cholesterol. And she was put on one of the newer uh, injectable um, uh, cholesterol-lowering agents. Um, and her total cholesterol had plummeted to 110. So, you know, from that standpoint, uh, the cardiologist that had placed her on that medication, you know, they were, they were totally fine with that. And, you know, what's purported to be reducing cardiovascular risk, although the functional medicine universe has a different idea uh, for that. But after just educating her, and you know, determining that her cholesterol was in fact too low because you know, greater than 50% of, of our brain is made up of cholesterol and fat. So it's, it's necessary. Cholesterol is the building blocks for our cells. We need it for our hormones and, and a whole host of things. So cholesterol at the end of the day is not the enemy. But you know, after you know, educating her and, and she change that medication and her cholesterol more normalized into the 170, 160, 170 range. Um, then her memory started coming back and she was able to go back to work after about six months. So, um, and that's a good example of early uh, memory decline that's um, caused by a medication. So again, you gotta kind of look at what is going on. Um, and it's really, it's really not that difficult as long as you have a practitioner that has the time to go through, you know, the, all of the intricacies of what your exposure is. Again, it still goes back to eating clean, decreasing um, exposure to inflammatory foods, decreasing exposure to toxins, um, looking at your blood tests, and optimizing it, that's, that's really, really important because oftentimes you go through your traditional doctor and, and you, you have a standard lab test and, and then they just say that you, know, you get a clean bill of health and everything is fine. Um, two problems with that. One is you know, optimal levels and normal uh, levels are totally different in the functional medicine universe versus the uh, traditional universe. Uh, a good example is looking at white blood cell count. So the normal range of uh, traditional white blood cell count would be four to 10, 10.5 or what have you. But optimal is somewhere between five and six. So, and even in the literature, any level above 6.2 is an indicator of potential subacute infections that could be wreaking havoc. And then when you combine that with other uh, values, um, take for instance, insulin. That should be a marker that is checked in everyone, not just doing um, your blood glucose level because um, having high insulin levels or a high hemoglobin A1C um, is an early indicator that you're becoming insulin resistant. So just by doing a fasting glucose or blood sugar, but does not, and let's say that come, comes back as 90 or 95, which most practitioners would be fine with. Again, there's an optimal level with that. Uh, optimal blood glucose is somewhere between 70 and 85. And that was actually elucidated by Kaiser Permanente. And they did a huge study and they showed any, that would want, uh, at, at any percentage um, value above 85, significantly increases your risk for becoming diabetic. So if you're 86 or 87, you're actually at a higher risk of becoming diabetic. You know, so also doing insulin levels and, and ascertaining where those levels are, and ideally that's somewhere between two and five, but oftentimes that number is 10, 15, 20, 50, or more. And that tells us that the body is driving itself very hard to keep your blood glucose levels normal while all the while making you more insulin resistant and then ultimately driving disease. So, uh, so those are, you know, really the things that from 
the standpoint of a patient, you have to educate yourself, um, learn about those things, you know, go to a functional medicine practici practitioner that is going to help you walk down that pathway. Because again, unfortunately, the traditional tests um, that are done don't elucidate the inflammatory factors like homocysteine or C-reactive protein or sed rate or, or insulin level or fibrinogen. Fibrinogen is also very, very critical because that's part of the clotting system. But if your fibrinogen levels are high, that is predisposing you to sludgy blood, um, which can predispose to strokes and heart attacks and all of those things. So again, when the traditional doctor does you know that standard panel with the cholesterol but then someone and we have you know huge incidents of patients who are having heart attacks and are dying with normal cholesterol levels so that should tell you that the cholesterol is not the end-all be-all so those things could more than likely be uh, reduced dramatically if we did some of those um, more illustrative inflammatory tests and then address those so that the homocysteine would not be toxic to your blood vessels and causing inflammation and causing a heart attack or stroke or brain disease. Same thing for your uh, uh, CRP. So, so those are really, you know, those are the important things that I like to communicate to my patients because then it, I think in most instances, it comes more into focus um, because they, you know, have known someone or they themselves have had a, a heart attack at an early age or know someone who's unfortunately had sudden death at 45 years old. And, um, you know, they, they thought they, they were a runner and they, everything was normal from their blood tests. But things just don't happen out of the blue. Again, we, in the functional medicine universe, with a high degree of accuracy, we can tell you what is kind of coming down the pike and that you are at risk for. Well, Dr. Michael Carter, you're a wealth of information. You're amazing. And I hope that I could have you come back and we could talk about peptides and PRP Absolutely. and hormones. If somebody wants to become your patient or wants to get in contact with you or look at your website, please explain to our audience how to do that. So I have a number of sites. Um, I do have a site that's... Um, um, coming up um, very soon is the Center for Brain and Body Wellness. Um, myself and my health coach, um, who specialize in, you know, pretty much all diseases um, with the emphasis on uh, the brain. Um, you can visit us at that website. Uh, you can also visit us at uh, realhealthclinics.com, which is the site um, that was founded by Dr. Thomas Lewis and Dr. Clement Tripp. Trimp, and that is its main focus is on um, the first book called The End of Alzheimer's. And it highlights how eye diseases are intimately entwined with neurodegenerative diseases and so forth. So I'm the corporate medical director for that company. You can also visit us at Health Revival Partners. That's also founded by Dr. Thomas Lewis. And that's a site dedicated really to getting functional medicine out to the masses because you know functional medicine uh, practitioners it, it can be pricey um, to do consults um, because we're doing such deep deep dives and so forth and we don't have a lot of patients that we um, uh, engage with because it's a two or three hour session and so forth so there are limited numbers of patients that um, myself and my health coach can do in any given session um, but the Health Revival Partners is really nice because we have an intake form called the Chronic Disease Assessment. And that gives you a grade from A through F, um, dependent on how you answer those questions. So that gives you a great barometer of how you are doing. And then we have a very reasonably priced structure for uh, basic biomarker testing. And that gives you um, what is called our chronic disease temperature. And everyone, of course, wants to be 98.6, that's normal temperature. But based on the values of your labs, either in the you know, positive or negative direction, that will give you an incremental rise in your temperature. So you could actually come out with a temperature of 103. 
So the nice thing about that is very tangible and visceral for a patient if they end up with a grade of C, D, or F and a temperature of 103, and they want to know how that can be changed. So we initially make the patient with health coaches, which can uh, really uh, dial in you know, some of the, uh, the nutritional aspects of what needs to be um, addressed and some of the exposures and so forth. And a vast majority of those patients, even with significant diseases, can have a dramatic change in their uh, disease syndrome. And for those who need to go at higher levels, so let's say there's heavy metal toxicity or mold toxicity and so forth that's out of the scope of most health coaches and, and so forth, um, then we can go to um, the higher level with a practitioner such as myself. So uh, those are great websites to um, visit me at. And one other thing, I'm the chief medical advisor for a company called Tissue Regeneration Technologies which is an acoustic shockwave device that has uh, uh, various modalities in treating musculoskeletal pain, as well as um, we have FDA uh, clearance for treating musculoskeletal pain and treatment of diabetic foot ulcers. Um, it also works incredibly well on um, uh, erectile dysfunction and female sexual dysfunction and a whole host of other things. You can visit us there at um, www.trtllc.com. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Carter. You're welcome. Open your eyes, this is Dr. Kerry Gill. We'll see you on the next show. Thank you very much. Thank you. Since I bought Safe For You, my dad makes me clean his boat. It's natural y es un buen producto. Every time I go back to school, my mom always makes sure that I have my Safe For You products. I bring extra and my roommates certainly don't mind. It's a good thing I had Safe For You to clean up after this little guy. When my hands get dry, I like to wash them with Safe For You. And most importantly, the reason why I buy Safe For You is because it's safe for me and you.